There's a lot of diverse opinion as it relates to Valentine's Day. Uh, one individual said, all it is is commercialized. It's a time where Hallmark shines and where florists uh, make a whole lot of money, etc., etc., etc. I don't believe in it. It is uh, an American tradition, but it didn't start here. It, uh, I'm going to show you a video in a moment where one particular uh, priest Many, 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 many years ago, an emperor thought his soldiers fought better if they were not married. So he made a decree, it's true, and said no marriage. No more marriage because I want fighting soldiers that does not have to worry about having a wife or whatever the case. But there was a priest who, in fact, decided his last is Valentine, and there were several, I want to do secret marriages. I'm going to marry. I'm going to marry young men who want to be married, who desire to enjoy marriage, and I'm going to do it realizing that when he did it, that he could lose his life, and that probably would be what would take place. So just to make the record straight before I get in and share one of the greatest love stories ever told and give you some illustrations tonight, and then at the conclusion of the message, we're going to take just a few minutes, uh, maybe five minutes or so, and I'm going to talk to you. Seventeen young people lost their lives, and uh, and we're just going to we're just going to take that to prayer, and say, God, there are people who are, are related and attached to a local church down in Parkland. I have preached in several Assembly of God churches down there. So I know there is a connection. But anyway, just to give you an update so you can be, based on this video, the most educated person about Valentine's in your whole family. Here it is. There's no doubt about it. Valentine's Day is one of America's most popular holidays. More than 62% of Americans celebrate by sending greeting cards and flowers, giving candy or other gifts, enjoying romantic dinners, or all three. But the history behind Valentine's Day turns out to be somewhat surprising. For example, the roots of Valentine's Day go all the way back to a raucous ancient Roman fertility festival held in mid-February called Lupercalia. Later, the Christian church chose mid-February for St. Valentine's Day in order to Christianize the celebration. But who was St. Valentine? Not much is known about the holiday's namesake. First of all, there was more than just one Christian cleric named Valentine. One of them was sentenced to death for performing marriage ceremonies in secret after Emperor Claudius II banned marriage for young Roman men thinking single men made better soldiers. Pope Gelasius declared February 14 as a day for honoring the soft-hearted Valentine at the end of the 5th century. It wasn't until the 1300s, though, that the holiday became definitively associated with love and romance. Back then, people believed that February 14th was also the beginning of birds' mating season. The first written Valentine greetings appeared in the 15th century, and by the 17th century, people in Great Britain had begun a tradition of exchanging Valentine's Day cards or letters. Valentine's Day soon caught on in the U.S. as well. The first mass-produced holiday cards emerged in the 1840s, and Valentine's Day soon exploded into a major consumer holiday. Today, an estimated 1 billion Valentine cards are sent each year, more than on any other holiday except for Christmas. 
More than 35 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolate are sold, and more than 220 million roses are produced for the holiday in a typical year. Altogether, Americans spend almost $20 billion on Valentine's Day, or an average of some $130 per person per year. While the most popular gifts were candy and flowers, nearly 20% of Americans splurge on jewelry, shelling out as much as $4 billion annually. And those who prefer the ultimate romantic gesture are definitely not alone. A recent survey revealed that as many as 6 million couples are likely to get engaged on February 14th, continuing a long romantic history that we bet you didn't know. How many feel more educated now? May I see your hand? If you're a couple and you would like to become engaged tonight, you come right up on stage right now. We'll observe your opportunity to become engaged to somebody. See no one, we shall carry on. The greatest, greatest love story in the world is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe upon him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. If you love, people have tried to give numerous definitions. It's a feeling, it's, a, it's an emotion, some say. And I would tell you that it is. Hatred is an emotion. Hatred is a feeling. So surely there's a balance. Love is a feeling that makes you feel good and does your body good. But that's not all love is. Love has a lot to do with sacrifice. Has everything to do with sacrifice. It means different things to different people, that thing that we call sacrifice. If you give yourself... In a loving way to someone else, you are choosing to make a sacrifice to give a part of yourself away. The most simple meaning is to give up something that costs you. Not only that, it places you at risk because you're making yourself vulnerable or you're denying yourself an earned privilege. I'm sacrificing. And there are different levels of sacrifice, meaning that uh, it might require a part of you or a part of what you have, or it may require all of you, may require a special part of you. One of my dear minister friends recently had a kidney transplant, and that transplant came from his niece. His niece gave her kidney to him. I have another person who is a member here at Victory Church just several couple of months ago. Uh, in fact, she gave, she gave her brother a kidney. Now, you got to be thinking, boy, God gave me two kidneys for a reason. So, I'm going to give one up that the body can function. My father had to have a kidney transplant and lived uh, for many, many years after that transplant. Of course, his came from an individual that was killed in an automobile crash, and that kidney was uh, re rescued and brought to my father in a matter of hours, and that took place. But if you're giving up a kidney, you're making a pretty significant sacrifice. But when you hear the word sacrifice, though, you don't often see the hearts, and you don't often see the flowers, and you don't often see the chocolate. When you hear the word sacrifice, it's an emotion that stirs in you. 
Because all of us know sacrifice means it's going to cost something. It can be positive. It can be negative. And the whole purpose that Jesus, of course, here on earth, was for him to be this. He is called the sacrificial lamb. His love drove him to choose to be the sacrificial lamb. And we know that the Scripture then says to us, I expect you to sacrifice. So if you look around and you tell your kids, and they're young, and they're moving through the teen years, and finally they become young adults, and you say, you know, we're going to have a little talk here. I want to let you know what we went through to get you to the place that you're just graduated from college. I want to tell you what we went through and what we gave up in order for you to have a better life than we had. The Apostle Paul, and I'm reading out of the message version, Romans 12, verse number 1, he said, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your ordinary everyday life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and I want you to place it before God as an offering, not a part of your life. I want all of your life, and I want you to place it on the offering as a supreme sacrifice. We have three points. Number one, motivation is the sacrifice exposes a need. Number two, participation. Sacrifice requires a commitment. And number three, celebration. Sacrifice becomes joy if you see it all the way through. Motivation. Motivation is this. It is sacrifice that exposes a need. What motivates a person to give a significant sacrifice What motivates a person to lay down this thing that we call love and say, hey, I'm giving up a lot in order to have this relationship with you. The highest, purest, most compelling motive of sacrifice is love. And when the word sacrifice is heard, it always says there is a need larger than I. If you sacrifice, here's what it means. It means you do not have the present ability to accomplish what it is you desire without some sacrifice. It means that your present status is going to change. And it means there has to be efforts on the part of those engaged in the sacrifice to make it come to pass. So God looked down on lost humanity. That's you and that's me. That's a lost and dying world. And he saw a need so large that there was nothing in human nature, nothing created yet that could fulfill the void and create a bridge between mankind's lostness and the redemptive power of Almighty God. And when we as a believer see opportunity for sacrifice, usually it's to test the gauge of our love. God in the supernatural terms says, I want you to sacrifice something. Here's your life. Put it on the altar. What? Your sacrifice and your willingness identifies the depth of your love to God. What are you willing to give up? We also cause what causes a family member to, as I mentioned, to sacrifice a kidney for another has to be love. What causes a soldier to gun up and get his uh, outfit on and walk into battle where he knows there are snipers out there has to be love for his country and his commitment. What causes a person to leave their family and their friends and join the mission field and, and go thousands of miles away? It has to be love for the call of God. 
what caused Jesus, as Isaiah describes in Isaiah 53, what caused Jesus to take your infirmity, my infirmity, to take our sorrows, to be smitten and afflicted, to be crucified and to become oppressed with the power of bondage. It had to be one thing according to Scripture. It had to be the love of God. But what about Jesus? It was not forced on Him. He fulfilled the will of the Father through His actions. Sacrifice suggests a need that only love can meet. If I sacrifice, it has to be the power of love that causes me to do it. My response and willingness to the need will reveal the depth of my love. Pause. Here I go. If you love, you are willing to give a part of yourself up. If you love, you are willing to change your opinion and your idea of something. If you love, you're willing to compromise. If you love, you're willing to go where you've never gone if you love, my friend. It's because you believe that that sacrifice, when fulfilled, will bring back to you dividends of joy and peace and opportunity to serve others. You never go into a love relationship selfishly filled with pride, expecting for you to get more than what you are willing to sacrifice. Somebody say, amen. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He, talking about Jesus, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not, what? Open his mouth. If I knew you were going to act that way, if I knew that's your behavior, if I'd have known that part about you before I married you, I want you to know I would have never done it. He knew the consequence. He was oppressed and afflicted. He did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Paul says, present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice. Lay down your will. Lay down your idea. Lay down your attitude. Lay down your opposition. Lay down your squirrely way. Put it down on the altar. Present your bodies. That word present is a continuing word that does not just mean an initial act. It means the rest of your life in serving God. You are presenting daily your body, what? As a living testimony that says, I will not open my mouth. I will not complain. I will not murmur. I will not question God. I will be that lamb for the slaughter in order to bring pleasure to God. Jim Elliott, one of our missionaries many years ago, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It takes that kind of commitment, and it will, in fact, cost you and cost me, and we have to know the motivation is love. The motivation is love. Say that with me. The motivation is love, okay? The second thing, once you determine the power of your love and know that whatever it is that you desire or you've been called on or whatever it is you need to give up or whatever it is that you intend to gain, that motivation cannot be self-centeredness. 
It cannot be, how much am I going to get out of this? There has to be participation. Individuals have to weigh in. Participation, sacrifice, loving requires commitment. It requires commitment. John 3, verse 16a, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. He couldn't stop for God so loved the world, period. Period. But what makes it come to life? It is participation that he gave. If you want a loving relationship with anybody, a relationship with a business partner, a relationship in a marriage, relationship in fellowship and in friendship, my friend, I'm here to tell you, in order for that relationship to be fulfilling for both individuals, there has to be participation. And some days, that participation will be 90-10. Are you with me? I hear people say marriage is 50-50. That is a cultural lie. Let me say it again. That is a cultural lie. Because some days it is 100 to nothing. Y'all feeling the love. It's 100 to nothing. Sometimes 90-10. Sometimes 60-40. But if you're one that's keeping score, you've already lost the game. Some of you ladies ought to be speaking up amen. I need a little feminine amen going on in here tonight. Participation. The most valuable possession that we have is life itself. The Scripture states that God gave His his only Son. Can you imagine what it must have been to be God, Jesus, And to have this beautiful, supernatural form, spirit. And to come down and be housed in a nasty vessel of clay. Do you know what that must have been like? I'm coming down out of the throne. And I'm going to clothe myself with you, with your flesh, with your body of clay. He had to love us. The most valuable possession is life. And the Scripture states that God gave that son. And when the need arises, when the need arises, that cannot be met under routine or reasonable circumstances. It will take sacrifice or offering of yourself, and then it requires commitment. How committed am I in this participation to see this through until the end. I'll tell you what, I made a big mistake when I gave you my kidney. I want it back now. I'm sorry, my other kidney is not doing well, if you don't mind. I've set up a doctor's appointment for you. I gave you a kidney. I didn't really pray about it. I'd like to have it back. Hello? The text states, That God gave his one and only son, meaning this was his. Think about it. You say, God was God. He could have had another son. (laughs) That's a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But God looked and said, now, if I'm sacrificing, I, I am not going to give a secondary offering. I think I'll create real quick a secondary offering. No, I'm, I'm going to give my only son. That's my best offering. That's the best I have to give, my absolute offering. I'm going to give my most treasured offering. And when Paul says, I die daily, when he says, you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, when it says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, he said, hey, lay everything down on the altar. And get used to saying, not my will, thy will be done. Get used to saying, God, thank you. This may not be what I expected, but I still trust you because I place my life in your hands. For progress to be made, participation and commitment are required. And here's what to commit means. It means to obligate. You obligate yourself to the need and fulfillment of the other. It means you assign whatever's under your influence into that sacrifice. Everybody with me? I'm going to assign I'm going to assign this that I enjoy. I'm going to assign it to this relationship. And I'm not only going to do that, I'm going to learn the value to perpetuate. I'm going to continually add fuel to that sacrifice, to that relationship every day, all the time. Someone said, well, I tell you, I don't need Valentine's Day. You know, Valentine's Day, I just do my best every single day. I said, well, what day was the last day you did your best? Well, you know, I said, no, I don't know. You know, to say I give my best every day, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, when I gave Sharon a card this morning, guess what? She didn't say, oh, you shouldn't have. I gave her a card and said, here you go. Here it is. She didn't say, oh, this costs too much. I said, you're right, darling, of all the cards I bought, this one is really an expensive card. I didn't do that. You see, the point is, is Paul wrote that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, the perpetuation of that sacrifice. How do you do that? I love you. I care for you. I'm willing to do whatever you will. I'm willing. I apologize. I am sorry. Oh, you need more? I'll find it some way. Oh, you weren't happy with that? I'll give you something else. When what pleases God is that we become so in love with him. We become so, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. That our actions... And our willingness and our zeal and our self-interest are all devoted to him. And when you're in right vertical relationship, perpetuating love and sacrifice to the Father, let me give you a little secret. Everybody else in your life will feel that same love. We're totally devoted to him. Paul said, here's the best way. 
decide to die daily. Just decide to die daily. Now, there's a couple things that Sharon and I may not agree on. One of them is which side of the bed I'm going to sleep on. We go to hotels and we're there a lot. She automatically knows. Now, I'm trying to figure out if I'm standing at the foot of the bed and I'm looking at the headboard, which is back there. Everybody with me? How many can see the bed? How many see the headboard? Raise your hand. I'm looking right at it. Some of you don't have an imagination worth a flip. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the bed. The headboard's there. If I'm sleeping over here, is that the right side? If I'm at the headboard looking to the back, and I'm over here, is that the right side or the left side? See, y'all, y'all, y'all talking, I, I don't know whether you're saying left or right. How many are right side, based on my analogy, how many are right side bed sleepers? May I see your hand? How many are left how many are just blessed in the center straight on well there you go my lord we we there's something wrong with us so anyway she knows now she'll say sometimes the air condition of this room is on my side and i say now darling you know what that means you're going to be cooler. And I'm going to be over there and keep you warm. Is that exciting for you? And you know what she says? I won't on your side. The point is this. Do you see how life works as it relates to saying, I I just kind of, give myself up. Well, pastor, I feel like you do. I got one side of the bed I sleep on. How many of you men allow your wife to drive you around? I mean, you don't drive much. You let her do the driving. How many of you women do the driving for your husband? How many husbands drive for the family? Okay, here's the deal. Either y'all don't have, majority of you do not have vehicles Or you don't have a foggiest clue of what I'm talking about. All right? He says, now, don't let culture tell you how to love. Don't let culture tell you how to sacrifice. Don't let culture tell you how you should behave. Because we have a book, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your ingenuity, your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you're renewed in your mind, you'll understand what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The unbelieving world sees sacrifice as an opportunity for personal gain. If I'm going to sacrifice, bless God, I'm going to get something out of it. Everybody with me? If I sacrifice, 
I'm going to get something out of this deal. But you know what? It's unfortunate that individuals might feel that way. The believer sees it as an opportunity when we sacrifice and God gives us the opportunity. We give it an opportunity to have God's good, perfect, and perfect will done in our lives. You see, it's being found in Jesus' example of what it means of love and sacrifice. It's being found guilty when innocent and then not complaining. How about that? It's being paraded through the streets naked and mocked and then not becoming angry. It's being nailed to the cross and crucified and crying, God, forgive them. It is knowing that you will die for someone else's error and declaring, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Why? Because God loved you enough to say, I'll give you everything. You think coming to church on Sunday night is a big old deal sacrifice? Do you think reading a few chapters in the Bible is a big old deal sacrifice? You know what God says? It's just showing your love. Finally, celebration. Sacrifice becomes a joy. When my father got his kidney transplant many years ago, he's dead now. And in heaven, there was uh, several days that they said, now the body can reject his, the kidney. It was like, boy, pins and needles. This kidney came from a little girl that was killed in a car crash. And so we waited and waited and waited, watching the creatinine in the, in the levels of the urine and checking to be sure that the medication was taken, that his body. And then we, then we got to that place that the doctor said, hey, it's okay now. The body has not rejected the kidney. Everything is functioning beautifully. It was then we were able to celebrate. You see, celebration is when a sacrifice becomes a joy. For God so loved the world that he gave, that's action. His one and only Son, that's participation, that whoever believes in Him, here's the joy, should not perish. Should not perish, but have eternal life. So the process and the progress of sacrifice, sometimes in the midst of sacrifice, can be threatening. That's why it is stated in most of the readings that I have in psychological and psychology magazines on marriage and family, there are, there are kicked. In other words, five years is a big accomplishment in the average marriage. Ten years is another one. Your chances of saying we're going to make it after ten years. Number one, if both of you are still living, that's a major miracle. You know, five years we made it. Ten years we made it. Because most today crash before you get to the seventh year. So 10 years we made it, and then moving forward. The big challenge today in marriages breaking up is after 40 years, 40 years, circumstances prevail, culture changes, sadness sets in, aches, but the process of making sacrifices 
is threatening and fearful and tense, unbelievable, time-consuming, and costly. But when the need for sacrifice is met and fulfilled, celebration begins and joy takes the place of fear and anxiousness. Some of the most beautiful, beautiful things to watch is a couple that the sun is setting in their lives. And to watch them enjoy their relationship together. Do you think they never fussed and fought? Sure, it takes a little fire to bring life often. A little shh like that. But when you see them get to the place that we say the term, they are growing what? old together do you know what's become important to them hey waking up every day enjoying someone that knows me like the back of their hand enjoying and appreciating that relationship that's beautiful to watch but you can tell the depth of a person's love for a mate by how they react after that mate is gone if they crash and burn it simply means they did not have the health they needed to have in a wholesome relationship if they don't it says hey we were married but we had individual lives that my spouse let me be the person I needed to be and I have the privilege of making it without them now. Are you with me? You're learning as much as you did on that little two-and-a-half-minute video a while ago. So Paul writes, he said, when you don't understand sacrifice and these kind of things, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he said, you, you don't see clearly he says, you're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. He said, and when that happens, we'll all see it then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. What he's saying is there are times that in the relationship, in the sacrifice, you can't see clearly, but if you stick with it, there will come the time. And you'll begin to see more and more clearly of what it meant for you to stay connected and committed and sacrificial. Timothy says, or Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.10, hey, y'all, that's yard talk. Hey, Timothy, he said, you know what? You've seen my life. You've heard my teaching. You've seen what happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. He said, you saw all the persecutions that I endured, and yet you know the Lord rescued me out of many of them. He said, listen, Jesus will be persecuted a while by, by evil men and imposters, deceived and being deceived. But as for you, be sure you do this. As you sacrifice your life, be sure to remember what you have learned and become convinced that because of what you know and what you have learned out of your infancy will make you wise for salvation and your faith in Jesus Christ will remain strong. 
So we have the joy of an empty tomb because he saw the sacrifice, and now we celebrate today. We were dead in the water, yet God loved us. That was his motivation. We needed what we didn't have. God gave his son. That's participation. And the joy of sacrifice comes when the need is met, and that's celebration. And God says, you can have it all. Love is not only emotion that feels good, but love is a commitment, and love is a sacrifice. And it happens every single day. But if you stay true to it, you will enjoy a life that will bring blessing after blessing after blessing. First thing this morning, I got a text from my, one of my granddaughters. Love you, granddad. Don't hear from her often. Just want you to have a great Valentine's Day. I text her back. Must have been 6.30. I said, hey, 6.45, 7 o'clock, I don't remember. You made my day. Peter, remember me. You see, that's sticking it through. Amen. I want her to see that. So my other daughter called, hey, Dad, love you, et cetera, et cetera. Then my son, eventually, he called. <laughs> I want you to know what you're experiencing tonight is a living, breathing presence of the Holy Spirit of God. The greatest love story ever told is John 316. Now, I'm going to ask our team to come up here for a few minutes, and we're going to take maybe five minutes, and we're going to pray for the people and the parents in Parkland, Florida, the high school there. Uh, the latest report just minutes before coming on stage, 17 people. One witness in the Columbine shooting said this afternoon, my life will be forever altered because of what I experienced at Columbine. When you're thinking about teenage kids whose minds are being molded and they have an event and they lose a friend, one girl said, I saw several bodies in a pool of blood. She will never just wipe that out of her mind. Parents won't know how to manage their children. Most will think it's not good to talk about it. Here's another thing. Many of the counselors are not immersed, immersed in God's Word. They will give the secular viewpoint, but they're not immersed in God's Word. So our prayer needs to be, God, let the Christian counselors, and they'll need them, weigh in and give them wisdom. And God, in some way or another, allow your Holy Spirit. How can a mother even get on her feet when she's coming to grips with the fact that her daughter died today and she didn't get to tell her she loved her when she left for school this morning? How is that parent, how are those parents going to manage through that? What a tragedy. But here's what I know. God is able to take a horrible tragedy. If the church, if the people down there, and I know many, will let the church weigh in and communicate and love on the families at will,
and be able to talk about Jesus Christ. We have been spared in our community. But let me share with you, that's only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. So can we take just five minutes? You guys are going to lead us in a little worship up there. And let's just take five minutes. And If you need to slip in the altar, you're, you're welcome to do that or kneel. We're just going to take five minutes and just pray for that situation and those parents and those students and ask God to minister. Let's do that together.
stand please father in your name the name above every name the name that's all-powerful the mention of your name every demonic force every imp of hell every spirit that's evil bows down to the name Jesus it is a universal name that around this world in every culture, they understand Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name for the families, for the community, for the school, for the law enforcement officers, EMTs, every person in that community, whatever they do, the churches. We pray in your name you would be close to them and give them wisdom. But Holy Spirit, do not absent yourself. Be closer than the breath they breathe. Be that hovering presence over each of them. Be that presence that many of them may have rejected down through the years, and thought they had no need of church or God or, or Jesus. You've not run away from them because you're not intimidated. You're still there. I pray in your name. For those who might be listening online and those who might be in this room whose heart is not right with you, who's lost, who not living Jesus for you to honor you, they've kind of turned their back or they've never really made the kind of commitment that creates fruit out of their life. I pray that they will pause long enough to simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart cleanse me, purify me, redeem me, I surrender. I pray that be the action in your name. Heal those that are not well in their body. Heal them in Jesus' name. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. I love you, everybody. Thank you for being here, and God bless you.